Selena and I were having this this phone conversation and I was like, I still feel isolated. Like we, we can do these interviews remotely and we can have these playgroups that don't really feel like we're connected to the art world because we're just at a playground talking about our kids. How can we get back into these spaces and why is that so hard? Welcome to Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast dedicated to designing kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are Kinder Public. This is the first episode of Towards a Kinder Public's fourth season, which is dedicated to a close look at the interweaving of social, spatial, and organizational exclusion. Our guests today are Krista Donner and Selena Trepp, two highly accomplished U.S.-based artists. Krista Donner is an artist, writer, and organizer who combines material exploration and social exchange to propose speculative models. Her work has been exhibited widely, including international institutions and throughout the United States. In 2012, when her child was one year old, Krista initiated Cultural Reproducers, an evolving creative platform for and about cultural workers who are also parents. Selena Trepp is a Swiss-American artist researching economy and improvisation who works across media and space, combining performance, installation, painting, and sculpture to create intricate setups that result in photos, drawings, and animations. Selena is also active in the experimental music scene and performs with a varying cast of collaborators and as one half of Spectralina, and Spectralina will be featured at the end of this episode, where you'll hear a clip from a live-streamed audio and visual concert from 2021. This is linked in our show notes so you can view the entire performance and animation work from that event. Krista and Selena are joining me to speak about cultural reproducers and the model they created to help artists who are also parents maintain professional engagement with the art world. We'll discuss the Cultural Reproducers Child Care Supported Event Series that they curated and organized in Chicago, as we will be discussing exclusion due to reproductive status and gendered social expectations. I'll take a moment to clarify our framework. Kinder Public recognizes and celebrates all people and families. Our hope is that individual roles within families have the ability to find a workable balance free of any biological and gender expectations that are experienced in harmful or limiting ways. We observe the many ways that different families divide paid work and the labor of raising children and acknowledge all of this is profoundly important. But to what extent are professional spaces and public spaces able to support the needs of families in all their diversity? When considering this question, rigid expectations come into focus whether they are manifested in the way we design and appoint our public bathrooms or the way the work week is typically structured. According to a 2017 survey by the Pew Research Center, the broader public still grants the idea of a biological binary a great deal of weight in determining social roles. We will be taking a closer look at this and the formation of the Child Care Supported Event Series model 
Thank you for joining us for part one of our multi-episode interview on the work of Krista Donner, Selena Trepp, and cultural reproducers. I'm so glad to speak with you both today. I've been following your work for a long time. I feel like this conversation carves out a special place where no part of our labor needs to be hidden or minimized. We can acknowledge ourselves as parents and let that exist side by side with our professional lives, or even let those roles intermingle with the knowledge that we bring more to the table as a result of our parenting and not less. And that mindset can still be very hard to find. So thank you so much for your work and welcome. Could you each introduce yourselves and share some details about your background and art practice? Selena, you want to start? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Selena Treff. I am an artist based in Chicago, originally from Switzerland. I am an artist. I work in many, I'm sort of a jack of all trades. So it's very difficult for me to say what exactly I do. But I do a lot of different things. I animate, I work within many different spaces, I guess, I think is sort of what what is unique to my practice. I work within the music community, within the arts community, and now lately, mostly in public space. Um, I'm married to a musician, and we have a wonderful 12-year-old child who's autistic. And yeah, I think that's about it. And I'm Krista Donner. I'm a I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I like to work in between. I kind of move between a material practice that is very based in drawing and also more recently sound, um, sort of immersive audio walks. Um, and then this more social exchange-based practice that is my research practice um, that tends to come from collaborating with different communities, whether it's like groups of teenagers in the countryside or um, historians of science in Berlin, right? Like there's these different communities and I'm really interested in how different groups of people perceive things and how to translate that into zines and postcards and comics and then back into my more speculative studio practice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I, I should say, I'm also, um, I'm also the mother of a 12 year old. Um, and I met Selena when we were both new at that whole motherhood thing, because our kids were around the same age. Um, and we were talking about our problems and <laughs> the problems with the world and the art world. Mm -hmm. And I'll add that I am the mother of an 11 year old and an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, but my oldest is 11. And so I became acquainted with your work uh, very early on due to my problems aligning with me, with a lot of what you were talking about. So, so uh, I really appreciated your, your conversations and your public work. Um, what is Cultural Reproducers? Can you explain more about the group, how it formed and its membership? I'm unable to locate this reference again, but I think I read somewhere that the first cultural reproducers meeting took place at an undisclosed location. And I'm very familiar with the kind of sticky moments that can lead to conversations about revolutionary maternal action. So how did this all start? Yeah, so cultural reproducers, um, I think we describe it as a, a um, creative platform uh, that that both serves and is served by or you know like it's a it's sort of a collaborative creative platform 
platform for artists who are also working it out as parents, or I should say cultural workers who are also working it out as parents, because not all the people who are involved in cultural reproducers are, are artists per se, but many of them are um, art critics and writers and curators and people who, you know, arts administrators. There's a lot of different folks working in the arts that, that, uh, recognize and feel very deeply <laughs> the mm-hmm. um adequacies and the the imbalances there once they become parents yes as for as for undisclosed locations the first few um the first few gatherings of cultural reproducers began as um it started out as sort of a play group for artists and curators and just people in the arts to meet because I I was feeling really isolated. I think that was the mm-hmm. one of the the most surprising things for me. I I had been hearing all about how oh you shouldn't you shouldn't try to juggle parenthood with an art practice. It's not going to work because of time because you you know you won't be able to make work mm-hmm. uh, and no one will take you seriously. And that never really made sense to me. Um, and then, and then I had a child and almost immediately, right. was like, oh, oh, I see. And it's not just that people don't take you seriously. It's like, you can't, uh, you're completely cut off. You can't go to art openings anymore. Um, because they're, they all happen during dinner time. And maybe you'd have to get a sitter because your kid would be squirmy and very uncomfortable. And that would make it impossible for you to have conversations. So I think the first couple of times that we tried to, do something it was a it was like a play group at my apartment or in a playground and they didn't really work very well like they were kind of chaotic and no one could actually have conversations because babies are really cute um, and distracting mm-hmm. uh, but uh but yeah so undisclosed locations my apartment I love that I guess I should I, I should add uh not to be too rambling so I say Cultural reproducers is a is a creative platform, but that includes so many things. That's why I use that very vague term. Um, it includes zines. It includes live events, uh, often with childcare if we can manage it. Um, that includes a website with skill sharing resources and interviews with artists, um, and it includes a, a Facebook group that's doing its own thing now. It's uh, running itself. Um, but it includes a lot of different sort of moving parts and guidelines too, and guidelines and a manifesto. <laughs> manifesto, possibly my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did this information that you gathered as a result of your early meetings lead to the cultural reproducers childcare supported events initiative? You touched on this a little bit, but. Um, I'd like to hear more about that. And did you approach the idea of childcare supported events with an awareness that you were developing an alternate model that you could describe with written guidelines? Or did the idea grow more organically from your need to connect with your community and maintain access to art institutions and just a need to be slightly more structured than you were with the early playgroups? Selena, do you want to answer that one? Yeah. Be interesting to see if we see it the same way. Yeah, which is part of the open platform thing, right? Is that everybody comes at it and very different ideas of different needs. To me, the cultural reproducers um, lecture series that Krista and I did together was very clearly about creating a model, like that we saw right away that the the need was there, that it wasn't just about us 
doing something that would work for us, but something that would continue to work or that would that they could see that they could have different ideas because it really felt like a lot of the programming, once as soon as you're a parent, cultural institutions still care about you in the sense that you have children. So there's programming for children and then the parents go along, which is great for the children, but usually not that awesome for the parents. And it's also not really like, it's not the same thing as being able to participate in an art scene. It's, it allows children to to access art or to consume art. And so we thought, well, for, for every for every city or for our city, it's important to also make sure that women don't fall out of the art scene, which was really what the result was of lack of sort of the way that things are set up. And we realized that with our kids, as soon as we had kids, we were like, well, we know now why nobody shows up with a kid to these lectures, because if there's a lecture at five o'clock or at six o'clock or an opening with a small kid. For most kids, that's a really bad time. Like they have zero self-control in a bad situation. And so you don't go to these things. And so we thought we need to teach them that they don't only need to give us access to entertainment for our children, but they actually need to help us be participant in the art scene in a way that is adult. And so we were like, well, what does that mean? And so they don't think of that because nobody's asked them to do that. They're not thinking that they're not the people who are working there don't have those issues. And so we, we thought by kind of modeling it for them, collaborating with them on one and showing them how to do it, that they then could implement that, or at least that that could be a thought of theirs as they think about programming in the future. And so I think it was very clearly part of like doing it for us. Another thing that we realized very quickly which is why these kinds of sort of models or manifestos are important is that when you have children, your children grow up pretty fast. And so it's very hard to build something to keep on building something when you're already at the next issue. So, I mean, very quickly, my issues weren't toddler anymore. They were like five-year-olds. And so Mm -hmm. unless you have a lot of children, you're just kind of like now with a 12 year old, I can honestly say it's very hard for me to empathize. I mean, I can empathize with a two year old, but it's not my, now, what I'm thinking about actively currently, I have other things that I'm actively thinking about. So having this trail behind allowed us to have this project and offer it up to whoever wants to pick it up afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think Selena really helped um, to solidify that that idea that it should be that the child care supported event series should be a model and not just something that would be really helpful for us. I had been organizing these play groups and then I started the play groups weren't working because I couldn't actually have a conversation about the things I wanted to ask people like, how are you doing this? And um, what, what do you, what do you suggest if I'm having this problem? Um, So then I started the website and the website was doing its own thing in terms of um, these skill sharing workshops that were, that were really useful in another way. But, you know, I think Selena and I were having this, this phone conversation and I was like, I still feel isolated. Like we we can do these wet these interviews sort of remotely, and we can have these play groups that don't really feel like we're connected to the art world because we're just at a playground talking about our kids. How can we get back into these spaces? And why is that so hard? And so there was actually that uh, there was a grant that I don't think is a grant anymore, the Propeller Fund um, in Chicago that was specifically funding projects, artist projects that were collaborating with communities like social mm. ways to ways to connect artists to to uh, collaborate with social, I don't, I don't even know how to put it. How would you put that, Selena? Social practice. There are social practice projects. 
yeah, they, social had, they, had, they had to have some kind of component to it that was outreach yeah. towards a larger community that was somehow engaging in an active engagement. Often for artists who who didn't necessarily define their work that way, right? They were experiments. Um, and I, I remember we were talking about this. We were like, ah, oh, wouldn't it be great if there were art openings and like events, if these lectures were happening at times when we could actually go? And then what if there was childcare? And what, you know, we were like just dreaming. And then, and Selena said, oh, you know, there's this grant deadline due in like three days. Maybe it was even less than three days. It was crazy. Yeah, it was very short. <laughs> and we were like, let's let's throw something together. And we threw something together. And I made these drawings that were like speculative. They were like, this is what it would look like if you had this on-site childcare and these events were happening at like 11 a.m. or not. We wanted like 10 a.m. when your your kids are really active. So you can't do anything. You can't be in your studio, but um, you really want to go do something. Because um, we were also talking about how as artists, when your child is napping, that's the only time you have for your studio practice. Uh, so I don't want to go to an event then. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, so we were just thinking about the 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 um, the hours of the events and the fact that there would be on-site childcare that's optional, right? You can bring your kid um, with you, but if if that's distracting for you, then there's a place where they can be cared for. That also in our model was um, tied in some way to the programming, so you could have a conversation about whatever it was afterwards. And then there were these all ages receptions. So we really were thinking about it as a we wanted to come up with something that was a model that would be a template that we could do several of these and then be like, okay, here you go, Art Institute of Chicago. Here you go, Museum of Contemporary Art. This is how you do it on a, on a actually pretty small budget. One idea that we had at the time that we didn't really realize that I still think would have been good if we could have implemented it was to piggyback literally on their lectures. So meaning that if they have a big artist spend the night, Mm-hmm. and make it so that we could have a morning lecture the next day of the same artist for families. And that's not what ended up happening. We ended up really curating our own. Kind of, we we brought the people in that gave the lectures. And I still think that that would have been even better because part of what we realized, I think that was so, or what you realized that was so poignant was that what was needed wasn't so much, that, or what artists' parent need is opportunity to hang out with artists' parents while not taking care of their kids, but the kids are somehow cared for mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. Because it's expensive otherwise, unless you have family. Yeah. Yeah. It like costs money to go to art events mm-hmm. and artists are like the most underpaid slash unpaid workers in the arts economy, right? Like we don't get paid to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As our parents, yeah. right? So you have double, <laughs> the double negative wages happening here. And then you have to, to pay for a sitter, which is quite expensive. One thing that we realized pretty early on, like we had to, I think we did four of these officially. And then we did some unofficial ones after that. But even with the the very first one, we started to realize that we had to be very clear about our, our goals and our language, because with the very first event, I, I think we were introduced to the the audience as I don't remember how it was how it was phrased, but I remember both Selena and I were like, oh, because because the the implication was clearly that we were like the art babysitters and we had coordinated curated and coordinated the entire thing and made it so that the artists who were speaking were going to get honoraria, which they would not have 
gotten otherwise. We had made all these calls. We had done all of this organizing of both the childcare and, and, and the, we had this whole like parade that was going to happen afterwards that tied into the event, the, what the artists were doing and what the kids were doing. But yeah, we, we really organized the whole thing. And they were like, thanks to the, the art babysitters, cultural reproducers. And we we're like, oh no, no, no. So then we really had to figure out like, what are our, what's our mission statement and what, how are we going to communicate this to institutions moving forward? Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. And I just spoke with a curator recently about having a rubric uh, delivered to art institutions prior to the event to, or prior to the collaboration to make sure that they understood the language and background and mission exactly as you're saying. So I really, really love that, um, that you realized you had to do that and you took control of that. I also want to point out, like it's really interesting to me that um, you were taking on the labor of curating the event yourself, which again is, you know, the last thing an artist parent needs is to take on the additional labor of <laughs> inventing the event as well. But, you know, wonderfully, you were able to do that. And you also factored in the economics of work in, in the art industry and paying the people that came to speak. And, and those are all such important points. Except for we forgot to put an uh, item in there to pay ourselves. Exactly. Definitely one of the big things I learned is that Krista and I actually didn't pay ourselves. Everybody else. Which is so such a mom thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about the places where you have held childcare supported events, what did those arrangements look like in terms of the use of the building space? And what were some of the operational needs? And then I'm going to follow up with the the last part of that question after you answer about the use of the the space and any operational adjustments or needs. I think it was really, I, Selena might remember different ones than I do, but I, I remember it was interesting because it was so different with each institution because we started out with a, with a, a university gallery that, that was really flexible in terms of what time we met and they had a a space that was really wonderful, flexible to use as childcare space while the main event was happening. Um, their main issue, I think, I'm trying to remember what their main issue was. It, you know, it was more like, well, we don't have a budget to pay the artists honoraria or, you know, something like that. Um, so we were working around that. And then and then on the on the flip side, working with something like a huge uh museum. Uh, and the and the museum was like, well, no, we can't open before 11 a.m. because there's a union and there's, you know, like people, I don't, we can't do that. Um, so, you know, but we can offer this, this amazing, you know, like whatever, we have this great space that's specifically for children and we can help out. We have volunteers who might be able to help out with the childcare and we can provide snacks. Um, so they could, they could offer so much more financial support, but then when it came to some logistical things, they couldn't budge on that. So it was just each each place was quite different. Other places didn't have any any place to put the kids, so we were using like boardrooms. <laughs> Do you remember any other details of that, Selena? <laughs> no, it sounds about right. I was more thinking about like the logistics of what we would bring and sort of how we showed up. We we and which also we developed kind of by doing, but you know like bringing mats, bringing blankets, bringing 
different kinds of sensory toys, like really thinking about like also activities. It was very complicated because it was a very wide age range too. So mm-hmm. just kind of figuring that out. And we only had babies, so that was easy. We weren't aware of like how much, how different that would be to like have like three-year-olds mm-hmm. and who don't know each other. And just the whole complexity of it all, kind of like learning what you need. So we showed up with a lot of stuff everywhere and we're kind of able to just set up in whatever whatever situation we figured out how to do it and we had hired a lot of the child care people that we had hired were also artists uh and very creative people that way which was super amazing it was all it always felt a little precarious like oh my god what if this person's not available that day because they were pretty important it wasn't just any babysitter from care.com or whatever they are (laughs) um you know it was they, they were they were special people for sure. And that was very important too, to kind of expose every part of it with like a lot of like thought that every, every, everybody should have a good time and everybody should have part of the same experience, but at their own level. And you touched on this already, but you adjusted the timing completely for your events. And they took place when? Weekend mornings. That was always the goal. So really thinking about when can people go? What's a good time for kids to be doing stuff? Thinking about like not what Kisha was saying, not doing a during afternoon nap, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because more recently I've seen like um, I have a couple of friends who are who are fathers who are very very like fancy successful artists. Um, fancy, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're very successful artists. They're showing at these very high profile blue chip galleries, and they were like, oh, you know instead of having my opening on a Friday night, uh, could we do it on a, on a Sunday morning? And, you know, it's not like it's, this is not framed as like family friendly art opening. It's the opening of this high profile artist on a Sunday morning because they want, because he wanted his kids to be able to come. Um, and he, and he didn't want his partner to be stressed out. Right. So those are things that like for us proposing this, uh, with museums felt, felt like like we were asking a lot and, you know, it felt like this radical thing, you know, we, we got grant funding to do it because no one was doing this. And now, um, you know, it's all about. <laughs> we also really need to say we got grant funding. We, we weren't asking a lot. We came to these institutions and basically said, we're making, we're financing an event. Like we gave them something for free to do something because they had so no interest in that. Mm-hmm. And then what you're saying is basically now, do you think it's because it's a man or do you think it's just because we're further along? It's like 10 years later. I think it's a little bit of both. I think some of it, one one thing that I've noticed in workshops that I've done, um, and one reason that I think it's actually really useful to frame it in terms of artist parents and not just artist mothers, even though artist mothers are, are often the ones who are, who really bear the brunt of all of the isolation and the, and the stigma um, is that, that dads <laughs> uh, bring this whole other approach to it and they don't even question they're just like oh well this is a really you know this is a building with a lot of a mixed use building uh with studios and parents and this and that why is there not childcare in this building or um i need to have my opening at a time when my family can come why don't i just do it on a sunday like they i i think that a lot of uh a lot of men don't think about that as much as <laughs> they don't, they don't doubt that, but, but usually it's the mothers that are the ones, um, the caretakers, right. Ultimately. 
I think that's also maybe what has changed a little bit is that there is seems to be slowly we're moving a little bit away from the idea that automatically the mother is the main caretaker as opposed to the father and maybe there's we are actually moving in a space into a space where that's becoming a little bit less um weighted in that way hopefully yeah and as gender becomes a little more fluid so does parenting i hope i hope mm-hmm. i also wonder if the stakes are a little bit lower for a dad who asks for those adjustments because you know they <laughs> they don't have the baggage of the like oh you know, you're, are you a mom or an artist? You know, like <laughs> Definitely. I mean, definitely. Right. It's not Selena, I think can speak to that very clearly in terms of her career being impacted by motherhood early on. Oh yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Both my galleries had a lot, took a lot of issue with me becoming a parent. One dropped me before I, before when I was eight months pregnant and wow. With like very kind of strange reasoning, but I was like, okay, that's crazy. But then later on, I heard from other people that they in professional practices explicitly would say that they would not work with parents, uh, with with mo- young mothers because they wouldn't be able to go on residencies or art fairs or do the job or focus. And another artist friend of mine who was with the gallery had an older child. They kept on asking her like, you're not going to have another kid, right? You're not going <laughs> to and so that was crazy. I mean, that was in 2011, 2010 at that point. And yeah, and I still see that. I think that's just, we haven't really resolved any of the issues of needing to be able to participate in certain parts of the art market at the same time as one usually wants to have children, because that's when the body really needs to do it if you want to do it. And the way that everything is organized, especially with an art career, is very much about being able to be present in certain kinds of spaces that are not family friendly. And you can't really do it if you don't do that. Or it's very hard to do it then. So if you're not in this position where you feel confident about your relationship with a gallery or museum, it's much scarier. It's a it's a huge deal to say, oh, actually, I'd like for my family to be there. I'd like to not doing do it during dinner hours could we do this right like that feels like oh they're gonna they're gonna drop me if I do that like that feels very risky um to to out yourself as a parent as a mother but it's strange I mean for me actually I was completely unaware of that like I was so surprised by that because I didn't I mean I was raised in a very radical context where that just wasn't the case and I came I'm from a different country and I was just like what is going on why is this happening and how can this be? Because it did feel like as soon as I had a parent, people would also, you know, I would see them at an opening and they'd be like, how's being a mommy? And I was like, what? Like, to me, that's kind of like, you don't get to call me mommy. I mean, that's not my main occupation. I'm, I'm me. I have a child. Yes. And I have all everything else is also still true and more important to you. My motherhood is not important to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. joining us. Be sure to check out our website, kinderpublic.com, 
for links and more information about our guests and the topic. A full transcript of the conversation can be found on Kinder Public's podcast page. Captioned episodes of all of our interviews are also available on our YouTube channel, where we are at Kinder Public. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. Please help us make this message more visible by sharing the episode, subscribing to the podcast, and leaving us a rating and a review. I'm Kevin Castle, and my guests have been Krista Donner and Selena Trepp, speaking about the creative platform Cultural Reproducers. Our conversation will continue in the next episode. Here is an audio clip from Spectralina's Quarantine Concert, the 2021 live-streamed audio-visual performance. Please take extra care, and we'll meet you back here next week. Bye.